present tense, not future nor past, but present tense. God is a present help in time of need. Boy, that's a great verse, isn't it? That means right now, God is able to meet your need. That means that you don't have to wait till tomorrow. Right now, God, if by faith, can meet your need. And you can walk on in faith, believing because you have a word. Because you have a word. A word can energize you to keep going when your flesh says quit. A word, a promise, can give you energy and motivation to keep walking in the light and walking by faith when it doesn't look too positive around you. Has anybody ever had a situation where you had your finger in the dike and, and, and you said, I need help, but I can't leave because I got, a, I got my finger in what's about to overwhelm me and I need help. I want to tell you, there's a helper that is available to every one of us. Every one of us. How many is going to need some help in 2019? How many of you realize that I can do nothing without the Lord, that I am nothing without his help? But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm in this uh, position where I need help, and he's in the position where he says, all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Isn't that great? I will do it. John chapter 4, verse 46 through 53. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he had made the water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, get the picture here now. Jesus has gone back into Galilee from Samaria, and he's entered into a city where he did a great, great miracle when uh, everyone was needy, and he saved embarrassment and saved all kinds of problems by simply turning water into wine. You remember that one? That was the very first one, wasn't it? Yeah, the very first one when he attended the wedding feast and his mother kind of got in the way of things and uh, kind of was dictating to him what to do. I want to tell you, you're never in an advantageous position when you're dictating to God what to do. I've found in all of these years that you're most blessed when you pray the prayer Jesus prayed, not my will, thine be done. Lo, I am come to do thy will, O God. Hey, you're in a good position right there. But when you're in the position of, hey, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do the other, you might get a little rebuke like Jesus gave his mother. Uh, what have you got to do with this, you know? Uh, when did this become about you? And the Bible said that Jesus took six water pots. What is six? The number of bad on the sixth day he made man, seventh day he rested. I guess making us was so laborious, God had to rest. Sixth day he made man, made him in his image, image and likeness made he him. So six then is the number of a man. You know that in the book of Revelation, the book of uh, uh, the prophetic events and the apocalyptic things and that, that kind of matter. He talks about how that a number 666 would be ascribed to uh, the Antichrist. And that would be a, a mark, as it were. So we know by that that six implies it's the number of a man. And the Bible said, Jesus said to them, take water and fill every pot to the brim. Wow. What is water a symbol of? The spirit. The spirit, number one. It is also a symbol of the word of God. The Bible talks about the washing of water and the word being cleansed and sanctified. So then Jesus then took pot, which is man, poured in the word and poured in the spirit and turned the into, which means joy. So if God can have a pot, that he can pour 
pour into the spirit and the word, he can produce joy. Hey, that deserves a hand clap. When the Bible talks about you being an earthen vessel or an earthen jar, that means that you can hold something. That means that something needs to be poured into you. And if the word of God and the spirit of God can be poured into you, then you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. So here is the story of a man, of Jesus coming back out of Samaria. And we know what happened in Samaria, don't we? We met that woman, you know, at the well. And we told that woman about water that she could drink, that if she would drink that water, she would never thirst again. It would quench all of her thirstiness if she would drink that water. In fact, Jesus said, if any man drink this water, I shall give it. it, it it'll solve all of his thirst. It's satisfying. Boy, I could preach a long time right there. It's satisfying. It's so refreshing. It's so so filling that it ends your search. Praise the Lord. And what something wonderful happened. That lady left her water pot and went back into the town and she told all the people and the men, the Bible said, about what God had done for her. It said, and then he invite, she invited them, come, come, come out of the city and meet this man. Come out of the city and meet this man who told me all about myself. What a transformation. And you know what happened in Samaria? My Lord, they had revival. The Bible said they believed upon the, his name. In fact, the Bible said they believed the testimony of the woman and they believed the words that Jesus spoke. What a great combination. They believed the testimony of the woman and they believed the words that Jesus preached and spoke. Buddy, that's exactly the chemistry we want to happen at harvest. We want to believe the word of God and leave this place with a testimony and go out amongst people who are unsaved and unregenerate and be an impression upon them so that they will believe the words of Jesus and be impressed by the testimony of our transformation and will come and seek that experience also. Revival happens when testimony and believing the word are joined together. Wow. So here we've got a, a situation where all of Samaria is rejoicing. All because Jesus said we must needs go through Samaria. And all of that happened in two days. Two days. And then Jesus went back into Galilee. He left Jerusalem. He'd been in Jerusalem at the feast. And he departed and went to Samaria because of the Pharisees and their hard hearts and their rejection of his gospel. And he talked about not being honored in his own country. And so he left and went to a place and converted hearts and had miracles and revival took place. And then he turned around and went back, not to Jerusalem, but to Galilee. Not to the aristocracy, not to the rich, not to the powerful, not to the people of rank, but he went to the peasantry in Galilee. Praise God. And he kind of backtracked and went into a place where he turned the water into wine and went to Cana. What a great point that is, that Jesus revisited the place where he had first done his, his miracle of turning water into wine. And the Bible said, and when he heard... This nobleman, verse 47, when he heard that Jesus, he heard that Jesus, he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee and he went to him. He heard that Jesus had come and he went to him. Well, what a picture of evangelism that is. He heard the news. Now, I'm just wondering because the Bible doesn't tell me where he heard this news, where he got this information. Well, we don't know. We can only speculate because him being called a nobleman, he was ab probably a member of Herod's court. 
Well, we know how Herod felt about Jesus and how Herod felt about the gospel and how Herod felt about all the things that pertain to God and the kingdom of God and the sending of his son, Jesus. He was in total rejection of that. But here's a man that's in his own court. But he has a problem and he's got a situation that Herod can't help him with. He's got a need. He's got a son that is near unto death and he's absolutely convinced that if something isn't done, the child is going to die. Somehow he's got it in his head. I've got a problem. I've got a situation that doctors and physicians and Herod and government and legislature and power can't do anything about the situation I've got. But I have heard that there is a Savior I have heard that there is a healer. I've heard that there is a miracle worker. I've heard that there is one who can reverse the curse and can change the circumstance and change the situation. And I am going to go to that person. I don't care how they talk about me. I don't care what they think about me. My situation is so dire that it's needing great remedy. I've got to go to Jesus. I've got to get to him. Well, you'll probably lose your position in the court. So be it. My problem is so big, I can't handle it by myself. And no one can do anything about it. I've got to get to where Jesus is. Well, he's in Cana. That's 20 miles from where you are in Capernaum. What are you going to do? I'm going to walk 20 miles. Because wherever he is, is where I've got to be. And whatever is between me and him, I've got to span that chasm and get to where he is. You see, when the situation becomes dire enough, there is no price that's so high that you won't pay the price to get the help you know you need. Have you ever been in a situation where you'd exhausted all of your means? Where there was no other answer? That old song, where could I go but to the Lord? You've tried everything else and everything else failed. You're in a situation where I can't do anything about my situation. I've got to have help. I've got to have someone who can do more than I can do. I've got to seek out someone who has answers to questions that I don't have answers to. I've got to find that one who has the answer to my situation. And I'm glad to report to you, I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Old folks used to have a saying, Lord being my helper. The Lord being my helper. I'll be there, Lord being my helper. I'll do that, Lord being my helper. I'll give that, Lord being my helper. It was kind of a slogan that just went along with whatever you did. That was realizing my help comes from the Lord. I will do whatever I can, but it won't be by my energy and it won't be by my intellect and my intuition. It will be because the Lord is my helper. He is the strength of my life. He is my light. He is my salvation. He is the one that takes everything I have and makes it work. Hallelujah. I've got to get to him. I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to get to where he is. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and he besought him that he would come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Brother, when something you love is about to die, when something you cherish and something that you hold dear is about to be taken from you, and you realize that there's nothing I can do about this, where could I go but to the Lord? 
He said, I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm going to see if this one, this one that they tell me so much about, I've heard so many great things about him. There had to be some Christians somewhere around for this nobleman to have received this word. And he didn't let his riches and his rank keep him from getting the help that he needed. And he sought Jesus out. And he went to where Jesus was. He had a request. Made his request known. He said, my request is this. I want you to come and go with me. I want you to come and walk these 20 miles with me. And come to my house where my son is near death. And I want you to come because only you can help him now. You're the help that I need. And the Bible said that Jesus, who was very busy, no doubt, teaching and preaching in the synagogues and wherever they would allow him to preach, when he said that to Jesus, Jesus said, unless you require this sign, you got to see miracles, you got to see everything else or you won't believe. What a strange response because somehow we're linking what happened at Cana because the Bible said he went to Cana where he performed the miracle of turning water into wine. Why, Holy Spirit, did you include that in that verse? Why did you want us to know why that place was so significant? Why did you want us to know what had happened there? You, know, you tell us where it was, and then you tell us why it was important. It's the place where he turned water into wine. He is the one, and so that miracle is attached and connected to this miracle somehow because Jesus has said, you all want something else other than just a word. You want something visible. You want something that is entertaining. You want something that is showy. That's kind of the human part of us, isn't it? In fact, the Bible said in the book of Acts is many of them believed because of the miracles that were done on the people. So we've got this system of believing because I see something happen. And you're very fortunate if in your lifetime you have seen an answer, a miracle right in front of your face, right in front of your eyes. I've seen that. I actually have been present when God did a miraculous thing. I personally stood right there and watched with these eyes as that happened. I've seen God do miraculous things. I've seen God open blind eyes. I've seen God unstop deaf ears. I've seen God heal people that got them up out of, wheel, out of a wheelchair and began to run and dance before the Lord. I've actually seen, I prayed for a guy one night, it wasn't my prayer, I should have said it, that whoever was in charge of that service and preached that message that night went over and prayed for this guy that had a cast on his leg. He said, I've got to work. I've got to support my family. I'm not able to work. I, I need God to help me. And I just knelt down and prayed for him, and I said, God, touch this man's leg. And I went on praying for other people and looked back over there, Natalie, and he had a pocket knife out whittling on the cast. And uh, not wanting to be embarrassed, I run over and say, hey, hey, whoa, 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 you're, you're getting too radical here now. My Lord, what are you doing? I said, I'm cutting this cast off. And like a nut, well, why are you doing that? He said, I thought we prayed. I thought we prayed. I said, oh, we did. He said, that's why I'm cutting it off. And the next thing I saw Michelle is he is over there stomping it on the ground like that and took off running across the rostrum over there. Why does it surprise us so when God does things like that? Amen. We went by one night to visit a lady that had been in the bed forever so long and was really not expected to make it much longer. And there are some... Another couple that was there visiting before church one Sunday afternoon, 
And uh, Debbie and that lady went back there and prayed for this lady that had been in bed for a long time. And uh, I was waiting and watching my watch. You know, it's getting close to church time here now, you know. I got to preach here tonight, you know. And it kept staying in there. And I went over and I hollered in the door. I said, is everything all right? And Debbie said, we're getting her dressed. I said, getting her dressed? What do you mean? It's almost church time. I got to preach tonight. This woman's been in the bed for months and months. So we prayed. We prayed. And God touched her. And she got up out of the bed and said she wants to go to church. You see, what, what this nobleman was asking, Lord, I believe you can heal close up. I don't really know if you can heal 20 miles away. I know, I know you, you heal people that you touch them and you put clay on their eyes and, and you put your fingers in their ears and, and, and all that. I, I know, but I, I'm talking about 20 miles. That's a long way. But somehow Jesus spoke to him and he said, don't you be afraid, you go your way. Verse 50, go thy way, Thy son liveth. Go your way. Thy son liveth. And great, great day in the morning. Look at the rest of that verse. And he believed it. He believed it. He accepted what Jesus said. You know, lots of folks have a problem with distance and in, in, in praying. You know, they got to be up close and personal. Yeah. You know that little woman, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get close enough to him, if I can just get close enough that I can reach out there and, and touch but the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. When Jairus went to Jesus, he said, my daughter, I need you to come, come go with me, come and go with me. I, I, I want her to be healed, I want you to come. There was another guy that came to Jesus about somebody that was nearly dead, and it was a, a centurion, and uh, he wasn't even a, a Jew. Wasn't even Israelite. He was a centurion, he was a Roman. And he came to Jesus, and Jesus volunteered to go. Jesus said, well, I'll go back with you, and we'll take care of this thing. I am the help you need. Yes, sir, I'll go with you. He said, Lord, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should even come into the roof of my house. Lord, if you just send the word, if you just speak the word, if you just send the word, my servant will be all right. Praise God. Hey, you don't have to worry about this close up, far away thing. He who rolls out the heavens every morning. He who gave the sun permission to shine this morning. He who tells times and tide when to flow in and out. He who controls the wind and he who rides upon the wind. The creator God, hallelujah. There is no limitation on his power. There's no distance in his power. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we are able to think or ask. If you need help, call upon the helper. Ask God who is our help to come to your aid and come to your rescue. He is an on-time God. He is an omnipresent God. He's an all-knowing God. Hallelujah. So he believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And he went his way. 
that night in that altar in Hartsell, Alabama, the Lord said, thy sins are forgiven, washed in the blood of Jesus. I have sanctified your spirit and I have filled you with my Holy Spirit. Now be on your way. And I got up and I went on my way. Glory. No matter where you were, no matter how humble the surroundings, no matter how meager the facility, no matter how inadequate and impoverished were the circumstances, the day that you received the Lord Jesus into your heart as Savior and as Lord, you got up from that experience and you went on your way started on your way. The old song says, woke me up this morning and started me on my way. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. You see, when you get up from that altar of forgiveness, when you have the blood washing your soul and cleansing you of your sin, you start on the way. You begin a new life. It's a transformed life. It's a regenerated life. It's a washed in the blood life. It's a healed life. It's a Saved life. And you get on your way. Get on your way. Be on your way. For many, many years, the old timers used to call this a journey, and they called it the way. They would testify and say, I've been in this way for many years. They would testify and witness of being on a, on a journey that was going somewhere. And the motivation was a word. This man had a word, and he walked, started walking. I said he started walking back to Capernaum, believing the word that had been spoken to him. The word said, the word who was God, the word who was in the beginning, said to him, thy son liveth. And he took that word, and he put one foot in front of the other. And he heard again, thy son liveth. And he put another foot in front of another. And he heard, thy son liveth. And he took one more step, and one step, and another step, and another step. And he began walking by faith, not by sight. Faith because he'd heard a word, he'd heard a promise. Don't you ever let the devil steal your word. Don't you ever let the devil make fun of your word. Don't you ever let the devil talk you out of the word that God has given to you because the word of God is a promise. And the promises of God are yea and amen. Praise God. A promise. When you received a promise from God that the Lord is not going to leave you, he's not going to forsake you, He's going to stand by you. And that promise has to do with eternal life. That nobleman, when he said, I've got to have help, and he was given help, but it wasn't something that was showy. It wasn't something that was entertaining. It was simply God spoke a word. And the Bible said, and he believed it. And he believed it. And he believed it. Oh, blind Bartimaeus when he appeared in the way that day and somebody said, Jesus is coming this way. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming this way. He said, get me up. Get me somewhere where, he's, where he is. Get me somewhere in the path. Get me in the direction. Where is he? Where is he coming from? Get me to that place. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Wow. What was he saying? I've got to have help. I'm in a situation here that I need help. I, I can't do anything. I can't function. I need help. Jesus, thou son of David, help me. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Glory to God. That old blind man that sat by the road in John, John chapter 9, the Bible starts off that ninth verse by saying, and as Jesus passed by, 
And as Jesus passed by, a poor blind man was there on the side of the road. And the disciples felt all theological. And said, Lord, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of him that sent me by, might be made manifest. And having thus spoken, he spat upon the ground. And he knelt, oh glory to God, he knelt and he made clay of that spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind man. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool at Siloam and you will be healed, you'll be made whole. You'll see. Had a word. I said he had a word. He turned immediately and said, somebody come here, help me. I've got to get to that pool. Well, sir, there's another pool just up the way here. It's a lot nearer than going over to Siloam. No, that won't work. The word said Siloam. Well, it's not really rational. You can save more time. It makes more sense just to go this way. It's closer. It's easier. He didn't say anything about easy. He said Siloam. No, oh, by walking by the energy of a word that he had received, he knelt at that, that pool and he reached down into its water and he began washing his eyes and he came up seeing. Immediately, here came some Pharisees and they went to his parents and they were afraid they were going to get turned out of the church. And the Pharisees said to his parents, isn't this your son that sat over there on the road? Yes. Well, tell us about this miracle, about him seeing, because we know now that he's walking about seeing. How did that happen? And they passed the buck and said, go ask him. He's of a grown age. He can answer that question for himself. Sometimes the people that are around you that are closest to you will be ashamed of your miracle. Sometimes they don't really want to talk about your miracle. Come on, somebody. Hey, I've learned something over the years. Don't expect everybody else to get excited about what God has given to you. Don't expect everybody else to shout and run aisles and dance in the spirit over something God promised you. They may not get very excited about it. So they went straight to the young man and they said to him, Hey, are you the man? I'm he. I'm he. Well, is it true that Jesus of Nazareth made clay and put on your eyes and you washed and came seeing? He said, that's true too. Well, don't you know that man is a sinner? That man is a wine-bibber. That man hangs out with sinners. He said, whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, here is my testimony. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah. That nobleman kept up his pace fully expecting when he got home to find that son living. He was walking by faith, walking by energy because he had a word. I want you to grasp that today because the greatest thing you've got going for you in 2019 is you've got a word from the Lord. That's the greatest thing you've got going for you. And he that promised you will not take his hand off of you until he has fulfilled that which was begun in you. What does that mean? That means he won't give up on you. Sometimes on that walk back home, you might get distracted, but he won't give up on you. That walk may become a little slow. 
that walk may become a little unintentional. And someone might come alongside you while you're walking to tell you, don't you feel kind of foolish? Don't you think that this is kind of radical and off the wall? Don't you kind of think you're being fanatic about this? Everybody around him said, you don't really believe that, do you? Surely you, 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 you don't believe that. Yes, I do believe that. And I'm going to keep on walking. I'm keep, going to keep on holding on to that word that I've got. Have you ever had to tell anybody that? I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. I am convinced. I am assured that he will keep what he promised. Glory to God. The Bible said, Whereunto are made unto us great and exceeding promises. Faithful is he who promised you. Who will do it? Who will do it? My Lord, we've got a promise here today that he's going to hear us when we pray. We've got a promise that he's going to watch over us and he's going to care for us. We've got a promise that he'll never leave us and never forsake us. We've got a promise from him that he is going to guide and guard and protect us. And that promise is so faithful that you should never lose a step. Don't let people talk you out of the word that God has given to you. Don't let them do it. And somebody came alongside him, and it was one of the servants, and said, Hey, your son's up running around playing. Thank God, he said. He said, Hey, tell me something. What time did he get better? Well, let's see. It was about the sixth hour. About the sixth hour, about one o'clock. He got to thinking back, and he said, glory to God. It was one o'clock when the word said to me, thy son liveth. It was one o'clock when things turned around. It was one o'clock when I believed. It was one o'clock when I accepted that word as truth. And so it was one o'clock when I felt in my heart that God had done something for me. It was one o'clock. And the Bible said, and then he and all of his household believed. Wow. We were just kind of, come on, Connor, and play for me. We were kind of just thumbing through the channels last night and happened up on a ball game. Just happened up on it. And kind of got interested in it. And things kind of looking a little shaky along toward end of the third quarter of that game. And there was a drive and got down fairly close and had third and about six or eight inches to go for a first. Looked like, brother, we're fixing to do great. And we have this big old number 74 over here on the right side. 360 pounds, six foot five. Goes bear hunting with a switch. Grabbed somebody, slung them on the ground. Something yellow comes flying out. Holding the penalty. Next play, same guy. Lines up in the backfield. Duh. Throw a yellow flag. Messed up again. Get that dude out of the game. He hadn't got a clue. That's what you was hollering, wasn't it? I know. Next play. He didn't know the snap count and moved through a yellow for three in a row. You messed it up. Somebody get that bum off the field. Dummy, don't you know what the count is? Don't you know the rules? I thought surely he was headed for the bench. But he stayed in the game. 
sometimes everybody around me says, get the bum out of here. Sometimes everybody around says, that knucklehead, he don't know what he's doing. And everybody says, throw him out of the game, put him on the beach. He's no good. But somehow God leaves him in the game. Because God won't give up on you. Oh, you'll mess up. Yeah, yeah, you'll sometimes look like the dumbest rock in the box. Sometimes everybody will say, that knucklehead, that stupid thing. But if you can keep on going, because he won't give up on you. He's promised you, I won't give up on you. But Lord, sometimes I do stupid things. Yeah, but I'm not going to give up on you. But Lord, sometimes I act like a nut. I know, but I'm not going to give up on you. Sometimes I even embarrass myself. I'm so stupid. But I'm not going to give up on you. In fact, God said, though your mother. Now, you hadn't got a bigger fan than your mother. But he said, though a mother gives up on her child. Now, I can't imagine that. But God said, if that was to ever happen, know this. I, though she does, I never will. Though something so heinous and bad that your mother would disown you, God said, yet I will never give up on you. You're going to make it through 2019 because he won't give up on you. You're going to make it through 2019 because he's going to keep you in the game. No matter how ugly you've been, how knucklehead you've acted at times, he's going to keep you in the game. In fact, he'll not take his hand off of you until he has perfected that which he began in you. Glory to God. But the greatest promise that's going to keep me going in 2019 is this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Because in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, Jay Garner, I sure hope in 2019 the Lord keeps that promise. I hope in 2019 the Lord splits the eastern sky Gravitation loses its power and loses its pull and we release from this earthly life and we go to be with Jesus in the air. Hey, nothing makes me want to live for God like knowing he has promised that he's coming back again. And therein is the motivation. Therein is the promise. And the Bible said his whole house, when he got back and told him what had happened, his whole house got saved. But it all started with, I heard about Jesus and he gave me a word. I heard about Jesus and he gave me a word. I heard about Jesus and he gave me a word. That word is, be ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man's coming. There's going to be a great surprise one of these days, folks. Big surprise. Sam is going to be a big surprise. Great surprise. Big surprise, Chris. Going to be a great surprise. One ordinary day, Glenda, just like this day. Just like this one. An ordinary day. And you know, the Bible says, Demetrius, the Lord hath appointed a day. And Jesus said, nobody knows that but him. Wow. Angels don't know it. Abraham don't know it. Moses doesn't know it. 
Nobody knows it. But the Lord has appointed a day. Surely I just hope that that day has got a 2019 at the end of it. Because nothing would please me better than for the Lord to come. You know, Brother Sewell always told me, Dolores, he said, Brother Jerry, somehow I believe I'm going to go in the rapture. All those years he preached, and he told me, he said, I just feel like I'm going to go in the rapture. Well, he didn't make it in the rapture, but he's going to go in the resurrection. Because one ordinary day like this day, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise, then we which are alive and remain shall be, oh, I felt something there. You mean that quick, that quickly? Moment and the twinkling of an eye. Seven hundredths of a second. Wow. You mean next time I blink my eyes, I could be in the presence of the Lord? If that's the way it is, I, I, I'm going to do a whole lot more blinking, aren't you? Because I'm ready for him to come. And I can truly pray, even so come Lord Jesus. Even so come Lord Jesus. He is the one in whom we trust. He's the strength of my life. He's the one that will do when all else fails. All else. Stand with me, please. On a journey. On a journey. When I was a little kid in knee pants, Greg, we used to sing, We are on a journey to a blessed country shining out across the way. Tis a land of gladness where there is no sadness. Blessed land of perfect day. Lead me all the way. 2019, I want the Lord to lead. Don't you? I want him to lead. I said, I want him to lead. I'm not in charge of harvest. The Lord is leading. I'm a follower. Liz, I'm a follower. I'm a follower. I try to follow Christ, and I'll tell you to follow me as I follow. But I want to be out front saying, this way, come on. This is the way. This is the way. The Lord has given every one of us the power to make it all the way home. All the way home. And I want to happen for every one of you what happened for that nobleman. I want your entire household. Your entire household. Can you imagine sitting around the table with little Sonny Boy sitting at his place at the table with a story to tell? Don't you love it when company comes? Lord have mercy, Debbie works me like a borrowed mule when company's coming. But if company's coming, brother, we got to clean things we ain't cleaned in a long time. We got a polished stuff that we hadn't polished in years. We got to sweep in places and vacuum and push furniture around and clean out from under them. Be amazed what you'd find under those things. Because company's coming. And sometimes she'll say, hey, I need you to get out there and get that porch and all that looking good out there. Company's coming. Company's coming. Can you imagine... Your company comes and getting around the table and one of them said, well, what's going on in your world, Brother Jerry? Biggest thing in our world is little man right here was nearly dead. And I went over to Capernaum, from Capernaum I went to Cana and said, I, I, I heard about a Jesus. And that Jesus told me a word. He said, go, thy son liveth. When I got back home, Sonny boy was up running around in the yard. Brother Jerry, I probably wouldn't have told that to some of my friends that come. Hey, that's the very thing you should have been telling them. When God told that demoniac of Gadara, said, he said, Lord, I want to go with you. I want to be a disciple. I want to be like Peter, and I want to be like John, and I want to be like, like all of these other disciples. And Jesus said, no, best thing for you to do is stay right here and tell everybody what great things God has done for you. Natalie, that's the best thing you can do for people is tell them what great things God has done for you. Every one of us in this house, this new year, 
you would do well. And all, if you go to a party, you go to whatever on New Year's Eve, you tell them, hey, let me tell you what great things God has done for me. And that same God, I said that same God, that same God that David said delivered me out of the paw of the bear, that same God that delivered me out of the mouth of the lion, that helped me when I needed help, when all was lost and I needed help, he's the one that's going to take care of me in 2019 too. Thank you, God, for allowing us to hear this word from the Lord today, and may we go upon the strength of it. May we live these next days, O oh Lord, as if the promise is unto us and that we're going to believe God for the promises. Keep harvest, O oh Lord, in the center of your will. Don't let us wander. Don't let us stray, but God, keep us focused and help us to do those things that please you. And help us, Lord, to do first things first and put you first, God. We pray that prayer in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, thank God. How many of you know God supplies needs? I'd run up here on the last Sunday of the month, and we've been lean all month. You're supposed to say amen. Lean. And Don said, we need probably $20,000 in the deposit today, Pastor. Boy, it's tough to send a pastor to the pulpit to preach and say, you need $20,000. And he just signaled to me, we got $24,000 in the offering this morning. So Pam, that's how I know 2019's gonna be all right because the same God that brought us this far will carry us on. Thank you, God. You're dismissed. God bless you. God go with you. You have a great new year. Amen. The best ever. Amen.